The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Uh, how are we going to start this again? <laughs> you guys, four bars of you. One, two, one, two, three. Boom. Or some acapella. This music does not match the state of Utah jazz at all. (laughs) Well, maybe it is. This is can make people be okay. I actually do think it's all right. Is this acapella? I don't know. What's acapella? You don't remember acapella? No, you never. Like a genre of music? Are you that much younger than me? Uh, No. uh, Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? The the television show. They had acapella. You know what I'm talking about, Megan? I know what you're talking about. It's a band. Rockefeller is a band. Yes. That's what I all I said was, is that a band? And you didn't give me an answer. You asked me if I know where Carmen Sandiego is. No, nobody does, Jake. It's Huey Huey Lewis did acapella? All right. You know who loves Huey Lewis? Uh, Our friend, uh, Coach Gordy Chiesa. Oh, well, who doesn't love Huey Lewis? Coach uh, Coach Chiesa has... from American Psycho. Has excellent taste in music. Yeah. Love, love... Love Gordy Chiesa. One so, of the great highlights of our life. Of course, it's all right with the jazz. Uh, it, that's that's what uh, that's what uh, Rudy tweeted out. Hey man, I, this is a blessing. You're you're very doom and gloom today. Uh, and usually, I told you, I've, I was in line getting food downstairs one time, and, and somebody around the organization came up and said, "Why are you so optimistic all the time?" And I can even take an optimistic hue of what's going on with the Jazz. There ain't no secrets about what's wrong with this team. Yeah, and that's but, a good thing. But what's new? What else is new? Yeah, exactly. well, here's the thing. I do think you were hoping, hey, you didn't really have Boyan in the first run against Denver and you lost. And you didn't have Mike Conley last year against the Clippers and you lost. And maybe if you get him back together and you get a couple of those pieces, you improve Derek Favors to Hassan Whiteside, who wasn't great last night for moments, but certainly you know can give you a really good 10 or 15 minutes a night. Rudy Gay's been up and down, and I think you hope his effort is really high in the playoffs and he can certainly give you something. And you were hoping that was enough. There's a real blessing that you're 40 games into the season and you've been exposed. Yeah, but who is, who is the perfect team, Ben? I mean, we've known all of this stuff forever, and all the stuff that you said right there could still be true. Phoenix is absolutely flawed. They were in the finals last yeah, year. Yeah, no, Phoenix is flawed. They're less flawed than the Jazz are. Maybe. And Golden State right now, who I was not a huge believer in, I do think are less flawed than the Jazz but right now. But Rudy has spent the whole season sitting down in the postgame and telling us all what is going on. Oh, exactly because right. he stands back there Correct. and watches Correct. his teammates get beat on every play, and he talks about it but all the time. Sometimes you can say it and say it and say it, and he can say it, but until everybody sees it with their eyes, it's just you. sometimes you have to see it to believe it. But the Jazz also have the ability to score 140 points. Correct. In which case, you don't need to guard. But you know what? It's not good enough. Maybe. I think they've recognized now it's not good enough. Well, Anyone who watches what happened last night and really what's kind of gone on since the new year, even though they've won games on the road, it's really easy to say for sure. I think there's enough proof now where you kind of suspected it. Marcus Morris said that was the case. Rudy said it was the case. Now you've seen it enough times that you have to know that as currently built, it's not good enough. You do not have a good enough product to win a championship. And if that's your goal, you have to put your money where your mouth is and you have to fix it. See, it could be good enough. It could have been good enough last year. I don't think so. Why not? Because we've seen it. Because you see it last night. No, but all what that stuff, all night? that circumstantial stuff you said, you talked about, yes, is real. I believe they do 
beat the Clippers last year if Michael Conley is healthy. Maybe. With these very same flaws. The the bubble does not count. We should we should no longer talk about it's that fine. Denver series ever again because it does not count. The the flaws have been there for a long time, and the Jazz haven't gotten over the hump, but all that circumstantial stuff you're talking about is true. Sure. I still think you're foolish if you go into the postseason with this roster. Okay. With absolutely no fixes. I could, I could buy into that, sure. But that's a, that's a different ar- argument than it's not possible. Could they improve well, sure. their, their roster? Sure. They need bet. to improve their roster. If they want to honestly say they're doing the most they can to have the best chance to win a championship, they need to do more with this but roster. But this flaw is certainly nothing new. No, I agreed. I, and, I agree with you. We can say that it was exposed on this road trip because it got really bad. But it's no, it's no more true today than it was a month ago. I agree with that. But sometimes you need to collect a certain amount of data before you believe it. Royce O'Neill has been the best perimeter defender on the team for three years now. He's You're right. He's not forty-five. He hasn't changed physically. No, but I think you're realizing more and more that he's not. Teams have figured out better ways to attack the Jazz, and that is the other part of it. Teams have scouted now more and more the Jazz on how to beat them and have exposed more ways to beat them. Because the Rockets beat them two years in a row with a switchy D. Sure. That's been true, too. Sure. But now it's even to the point where, yeah, just go downhill against the Jazz. I mean, the problem isn't just, that was the Jazz offense, and the Jazz fixed the offense by going out and getting Clarkson and Conley and Bogdanovich. They fixed the offense. Now teams have realized, hey, you can withstand the offense. This is how you beat them on defense. If they have to take the ball out of the basket, you can get back and set your defense and then get switchy and then you can beat them. But right now, just drive in a straight line to the rim and you'll cook the Jazz. Especially if Rudy Gobert's not out there. Now, if Rudy's out there, it covers up a lot of those mistakes. And that's the one thing we haven't been able to tell, even though we kind of knew it, but it was only in very small sections, 10, 15 minutes a game. But now we've had four games in a row where Rudy Gobert hasn't been out there, and you recognize he's the only thing that's keeping this defense together. And without him on the floor, they're awful, and you've got to fix that. But you- they have him on the team, and again, that's been true forever. So what's a bigger problem for the Jazz, that uh, the defense you're talking about, or their lack of ability to beat a switchy defense in their selfish play? Defense. Because I could make an argument that it's the other side. The defense. There's no question it's the defense. I don't think it's even close to the offense because you can look Rudy Gobert last three games he's off the floor they're the worst they have the defense worst yeah, defensive yeah. rating in the I got NBA it. I got it so I don't think that the numbers show it it passes the eye test the players were talking about it yesterday Marcus Morris has said it like we talked about a lot it's absolutely the defense it's the problem with the defense if the Jazz don't fix it they can't win a title and you're probably right but they only scored Ben don't do math uh, on the air that's not a good idea but they only scored what fifty five points in the second half yeah. You know, they scored 35 points in the first quarter when they passed. Right. And then Detroit goes to the switchy D and they just fall apart. Correct. I mean, and they were tired. Look, and there was reasons they lost the game. They don't have anything to do with just not having the talent on the floor. Fifth game of a five game road trip. You heard it at halftime. The coach came out who does the uh, the halftime interviews uh, and said, we cannot wait to get home. We just need to get home from this road trip. I mean, that was the mindset of the coaching staff. We just got to get home. You talk about Mike Wells. Mike Wells said, "We just got to get home. We just cannot. We got to get off the road. Like they, they are so beat up. They've lost so many bodies. They're emotionally drained. They're dealing with the pandemic just like everybody else is. And then they've been in two different countries in the last week. It's been really difficult for them. I'm sure that's another reason why they lost. But there's just no way to honestly look at this team and diagnose it and not say that it's fatally flawed as is." See, fatally there, Ben. I don't know. That's the, I'm not coming along that far. I don't think there's a chance this team could win a title. 
Oh, I certainly do. Yeah, I don't think as as they're currently set up, there's any way that who's not flawed. Everyone's flawed. There's never there's never been a perfect basketball team, but the Jazz are flawed to a way that there's too many teams that can beat them. I don't think you'd say the same thing about Brooklyn, and they don't play any defense. Yeah, I don't know if Brooklyn's good enough to win a title. Yeah, I, I are they fatally that. flawed? Yeah, they might be. Yeah, because they don't play enough defense either. Now I don't watch them every night like I do the Jazz, but and I and it hasn't been the same team together for three years like the Jazz have been. That's the other problem. You've got so much data on this team now to see exactly what's wrong with them, and it's very clear now. And we just got more important data in the last few days without Rudy Gobert out there, which just hasn't been the case. He's missed four games in three years. We never knew what the team really looked like without him. We could see it in stretches of an individual game, but when you see him when he's actually not out there. The towel is gone. You see everything on full display, and the Jazz just don't have enough. Yeah. Oh, well, I get back to Rudy's been telling us about it for a while. Correct. Correct. And still, sometimes you have to see it. Players say a lot of things. Sometimes you got to see it. I mean, you know what Rudy needs to do is he always says we and that sort of stuff. He just needs to start naming names. Yeah. You didn't, uh, you didn't defend. <laughs> you didn't stay in Man, front of I your watched, guy. I watched Bogey get beat 12 times tonight. Because he's just watching it all. That's why he gets so frustrated, because yep. he's known this for a while, too. Yep. Again, I'd, I'm not sure this is anything all that new, but, but the nice it's thing is an issue. You know what you need to fix. Yeah, and it's not that easy. Yeah. Or they, well, I would about to say they would have done it by now, but that's how they designed this team. They wanted an offensive right. team. Right. That's what they sure. went out to do. Yes. They overcorrected because they were getting killed by the Houston Rockets because they didn't have enough offense to beat that team. They overcorrected to all offense, and that pendulum needs to swing back and towards defense. still have the same problem, that they can't beat the switchy D. Yeah. So adding all that offense kind of worked. Yeah. I mean, it made, it made you better. It got you closer to where you're trying to get to. Stay tuned. We're going to talk some college football coming up next. Tim Brando was on with DJ and PK, and uh, he had some interesting uh, thoughts about, well, BYU and the future of college football. We'll, we'll dive into it a little bit. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Whether it's the Jazz, Utes, Cougars, or Aggies, these guys have got you covered. I need fellas. You're locked on to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. One, two, three, four, eight. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. <laughs> Don't look at your Twitter mentions. Ben. Don't. Because we're going to do a little exercise here. Okay. Because our friend, you chast a trailer. Okay. Has, I see it, but I can't see something. what it's saying. Okay, don't. Okay. don't Flip away from it. All right. Uh, our friend, you chast a trailer. We'll get into uh, what Tim Brando was talking about here in a minute. But we were talking about three schools ranked in the top 25 from the state of Utah. Uh, you chast a trailer tweeted in a map with the other states and how they're represented uh, in the top 25. Okay. And Utah is the only state in the country that has three schools in the top 25 this year. Okay. Pretty amazing. Now, there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five schools with two. Five schools with two? Five schools with two. Okay. We need to get the easy ones out of the way? Okay. California. Texas. Nope. California Texas, doesn't have two. Nope. I guess California did not have a good year this year. Nope. They only had one. So Texas and Florida. No, not Florida. Not Florida not either? Not Florida. Okay, so there's no easy Texas, one. yes. Texas, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Because Oklahoma yes. and Oklahoma State were both really good this year. Yep. There's... Indiana. No. Notre Dame and Purdue did not get it? No. Nope. Purdue didn't end up ranked? Just one. Well, I'm... You're missing a really obvious one. 
who did who did, who did the Utes just uh, oh Ohio State yeah because so they Ohio. had and Cincinnati and Cincinnati yeah very good Michigan yep and the one this one's the least likely I think who was for it? you to get North Carolina okay the Carolinas you say it had to be one yeah. of the Carolinas yeah. or something like that. Yeah, North Carolina with Wake Forest and NC State, two unlikely candidates. I'm no, I'm not great with populations, but man, you think about Texas, you think about California, and again, California didn't make it. Oklahoma is probably comparable to Utah as far as population goes, but per capita, for us to have three ranked football teams, pretty amazing. I mean, land space, that's one thing, but the Carolinas, Florida, I mean, the number of people that are in those states, even though they're, you know, the Carolinas are small compared to Utah, the number of people that are in a lot of those states is crazy. So for us to have the success we've had in the state is extremely... Florida had zero. Florida was bad. Florida State's really bad right now. Miami's bad? Miami's bad. But how did, like, you know, usually there's like an FAU Central or something. Florida or something yeah, it's like, in there. yeah, we were at South Florida. Like those two teams, Central Florida and South Florida, should be good. Zero. How about that? Is Scott think? Frost a thief? What was going on there? What was What's that guy's deal? Winning in Nebraska is a lot different than winning in Florida. I mean, rec- it's recruiting. Sure, it's, but it's like, who can you get? Yeah, did he just get lucky in Florida? Was just winning there, or was yeah, it was a good spot. It was good to be the next best team outside of the four major, you know, super conference teams. He got everybody else by recruiting, you know, the third and fourth best player on every high school team, and got them to go there. And then he got to Nebraska and couldn't do it. Must be. No, here's the thing: Nebraska had a coach that was really good at fooling young people into coming to Lincoln. Not everybody can do that. Tom Osborne yeah. was a legend because he was so good and the program was so good. People will go, yeah, sure, I'll go play in Lincoln. But now, who wants to go play for a dog in Lincoln? That's I mean, I've, I've been to Lincoln and it's yeah. it's fine. I mean, I, yeah. I shouldn't uh, you know look down upon other communities, but it's, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of there there. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, it's sure. not close. It's not easy to get to. Uh, they do have a rabid fan base, but it's not. There's there's not a whole lot to do. I don't know. At least when you have Logan, like a college town in Logan, Salt Lake isn't that far away. There's only five bit. teams ranked west of Texas, and hmm. Utah has three of them. California has one, and uh, and Washington has one. Or is that Oregon? Oregon? Oregon. Excuse me. Oregon has one. Uh, my geography is quite poor. Easy there. So I, I couldn't believe you recognized that that was North Carolina. Good for you. I did used to live there. I would have said that was South Carolina because it has a flat line on top. That would make me think that that's the bottom half. You know, I, I do still visit there once a year, too. So I, I just would can't believe you would identify it on a map. I'd be able to pick out North Carolina. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, big ups to Utah. Thanks for sending that in. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of work. Thank you. You Shasta trailer. You're the man. Uh, all right. I want to play this Brando clip for you because uh, he really dug into a lot on kind of the state of college football. Okay. But made an interesting point about BYU. Let's go ahead and listen to this. It'll be a while, I think, fellas, before we see those teams go. Have you noticed how all that conversation has cooled? The realignment, which is driving, I think, in so many respects, why the the athletic directors and commissioners of the conferences are saying no to expansion right now. One of the excuses that they can give is until realignment is settled and until we have our new television contracts for our conferences, we're going to make these guys stand up to the grant of rights that they paid. You know, it's Still, I think the number might go from eighty million to maybe sixty million because of years with Oklahoma and Texas. But those schools don't want to pay that money right now, even though they've got all the money that they need. They don't want to pay that money to go into the SEC right now and get their butts kicked. They're not ready. They're not ready to go into that league. 
So will BYU play with Texas and Oklahoma in a giant Big 12 for two years? Can I say something? It's our job. It, yeah. I hope kind not. Of what we're doing. I hope not. Why? If I'm BYU, I don't want to go to the Big 12 that has Texas and Oklahoma to start. I don't want two more teams that can beat me going in there. Honestly, I don't. Why? I, Who cares? Because you're trying to win titles. Because you're trying to go to the Big 12 title game. Yeah. BYU's going to step in there and do that day one? You have a better chance if Texas and Oklahoma aren't there. Yeah, you're a much smaller paycheck. Yes, and that could be the issue. If those teams are still there and you're renegotiating these TV deals and someone is giving Big 12 money because they think Oklahoma and Texas are going to be there long term because they're idiots and they're not looking at a calendar, maybe. But no one's going to look at the Big 12 and say, yeah, we'll give you SEC money if we no, know that no, Texas no, no. and Here's, Oklahoma are leaving. It's Texas and Oklahoma. The Big 12 is Bob Bowlesby's digging in his heels to keep Texas and Oklahoma there as because as they possible. don't want to rip up their current TV deal. They right. want to keep it because Correct. their next TV deal is worth 50% of their current one. So right. they want to keep them there to keep that money there. BYU gets in and gets a share for of two the years. pie for, two, for years, two years, which is going to be a bigger overall payday, okay. you would think, sure. than it would be without Texas and Oklahoma. Who cares about competition? BYU's going to get a big payday, and they'll maybe get uh, be able to play a couple of those teams, which well, is no, a good I, thing, not the, a bad thing. I had the exact opposite take. Who cares about the payday? Who cares? You're a fan. Who cares? I don't care what Kyle Whittingham makes. I don't care if Utah's making money or losing money. Now, if you get to the point where you have to shut down a program, yes, we can talk about extremes. BYU's not hurting financially. Neither is Utah. I don't care what money you make. But the, but I don't I, care. No, I agree with that take, and I, I think overall fans get taken advantage of because it's not in their best interest to care uh, how much a university makes. So I do agree with you. I'm not. But if you want to talk about BYU's ability to compete, right now it's all about cash because right now they don't have any of it. And they need to maximize. You you want to know why Utah's football team has been so competitive so immediately in the Pac-12? Because they're smart fiscally. Because they went helps. from they went from a tight tight budget where they had to maximize every nickel, and all of a sudden when they got this windfall, they didn't go uh, spending like a drunken sailor, like right. say UCLA or Cal or right. any of these other programs that can't field a recruiting budget. They were smart about it all, including slow playing their stadium. So all of a sudden they can have the biggest recruiting budget in the entire league, certainly because helps. they're smart with their money. BYU right now has a their disadvantage is all. Financial, And so the more money they can get in the door, the more they can spend on recruiting and facilities and all these things that make the Alabamas and Georgias of the world what they are. Because they take the this money and they turn it into the on-field product. It's very much a factor. It, it is a factor. I, I'm not arguing with you there. I think BYU has a better chance of winning if Texas and Oklahoma are cleared out than they do by getting half again bigger paycheck for two years. I don't think BYU is winning in those two years either way. I'm probably with you there, but if Kalani continues his program going in the right direction, certainly better to jump in in a few seasons if Texas and Oklahoma have vacated the area and it's chaos yeah. and it's a land grab and BYU has a chance to come in and say, look... We're a huge chunk of this conference now, and you're just not going to be able to do that with Texas and Oklahoma, because right now, Texas and Oklahoma make up, what, 50% of Big 12 football? The value, yeah. You know, so when those two are gone, everyone's going to be scrambling to try and figure out who's important, who's not important, and if they're gone, BYU, I think, has a chance immediately to establish themselves, versus if you jump in those first two years and struggle the way the youth did when they jumped into the Pac-12, and you go five and seven in back-to-back seasons, because you've lost to 
Texas and because you've lost to Oklahoma and you randomly lose to Baylor and you don't get to your expectations, I think that's more difficult. So Brando's certainly right about what's going on with the Big 12. If I'm a BYU well, fan, this might sound anti-competitive, but I think it's good for the long term. You want Texas and Oklahoma long gone. But uh, what Brando was talking about, too, I think is, is really fascinating on, on kind of a grand scale. Uh, ben, because Bob Bullsby is the worst commissioner slash the best commissioner all in the last year. Because the fact that he got blindsided by Texas and Texas or by Texas and Oklahoma is inexcusable. Yep. The, the fact that he had no idea and no plan whatsoever is, uh, you know, screams incompetence to me. But since that, he's been brilliant. He's absolutely been brilliant. And right now, he can force Oklahoma and Texas to stay and keep all that money inside. Or they can leave and he just takes their paycheck because that's what grant of rights agreements are. They, they could go to the SEC tomorrow, but the Big 12 keeps all of that dough. And he's not going to bend on that like the ACC did, for example, with Maryland when they went to the Big 10. The ACC just settled. Bowlesby's not going to do that because he's has leverage over ESPN and he wants his next TV deal, that's the one he cares about. So that 50% haircut they're going to take without Oklahoma and Texas, this is his trump card to get a better TV deal for his next deal. ESPN, if you want these two teams... yeah. Well, guess what? You're taking care of us in the next deal. Sure. That's happening. Or at least you're giving us a bid that we can take to Fox and right. twist their arm. That's what he's doing. He's digging in his heels. It's extraordinarily, it's brilliant, really. But all these universities have also slowed on the playoff expansion, Ben. They didn't come to an agreement yesterday. That had all the momentum in the world. But now these universities are saying, oh, ESPN wants something. They want a bigger college football playoff. Well, guess what? You're going to take care of us first. We're not doing a thing until you take care of us with our conference TV deals. So there's this weird standoff between ESPN and all of the universities, and it's about the next TV deal for all these conferences. ESPN, if you want more inventory in the college football playoff, guess what? You're taking care of us on the back end. And it's brilliant. Bob Bullsby is the best financier in all of college football, and he proved that last time the Big 12 was talking about expansion, and he had no real real interest in doing it, but you remember him coming out and having all these schools make these fake pitches to the Big 12, including BYU, and played them like a drum to just say, like, yeah. We think we can expand. We think it can cost Fox Sports or whoever their their ally was at the time X amount of dollars to add all these teams because the rule was if we add teams, you have to add that big of a share. And then what he ended up saying is, well, how about this? It'll cost you less overall if you just give the 10 existing teams more money, but don't include BYU or any of these other teams, Cincinnati or whoever's going into imply yeah. to try and get some of these jobs. He says, what if we just back out? And you just give us more money instead of spreading it around to BYU or Cincinnati or any of these Florida schools. Just give Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State a little bit more and we'll all be happy. And he did that because he's really good at using the leverage he has. And so you're right. And he will do things. He will operate in the next couple of years with the best financial interests of the Big 12 in mind. And he has nothing to lose because he already uh, stirred up a hornet's nest when he sent a cease and desist to ESPN. Correct. So he's got a there's no goodwill left bridges, there. Yes. So he has to play all the leverage he has. It's 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 a it's a crazy game. But when these TV deals start getting negotiated, Ben, then and only then will they expand the college football playoff. Who's going to want, which conferences are going to want the college football playoff expanded? 
Does everybody? Uh, everybody not named the Big Ten or SEC, probably. Probably. I mean, the ACC probably doesn't care. Unless they think again. I mean, Clemson should be good enough by themselves, and nobody else is knocking on the door. Well, they like, all want it, Ben, because it's going to be a bigger paycheck. Should but, be a bigger paycheck. But their leverage is slow playing it. That ESPN really wants it. Right. And they want it, too, but they can get more money if they wait on it. Right. So everyone's going to want it. The Pac-12 de- is desperate for it. As soon as Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12, they're going to really be desperate for it. And so this is going to be a little bit of a game of chicken to see who's willing to wait longer. Because then the leverage will flip to ESPN if they want it to. My wife is a negotiator like for a living, but also in her like personal life. You know, she's the type yeah. that will... <laughs> we'll be like, oh, the price tag says ten. How about I give you five? You know, <laughs> but I'll buy two. You know, she's. A, but here's the thing: she wants to buy it, right? But her leverage is bouncing. Correct. Correct. Some people are better at it. I'm not good at that. I'm really bad. I'm at that. not good at that. I'm either. not a good leverager. Some no. people are really good at it. I'm not. Bob Bowlesby, though, good at it. Joe Manchin, West Virginia, really good at it. Really good leverage guy and willing to walk away. You know, like, I mean, it happens at every level. We're talking about the highest level of politics. We're talking about Big 12 expansion. There are people who are really good at it. You know, who's done a nice job by being patient is is Tom Homo. Now, BYU hasn't gotten everything they wanted. They're pretty close, though. I mean, they're going to the Big 12 because they've been willing to wait and they've used ESPN as leverage for themselves and, and they've done a really nice job as well. I still go back to my point, though. If I'm BYU, I'm just not that worried about the money. Now, the money is why they're going. The access is why they're going. It's going to help them. It's going to give them a much more secure spot than independence. But if I'm a BYU fan, my biggest concern is how do I win as quickly as possible in the Big 12? Because when you establish yourself as a loser, it's really hard to change that identity. But that's where the dough comes in. The, the dough helps. That's Well... Especially at BYU where, and of course, none of this stuff is officially legislated, but we've all heard the you've got to operate in the black in the athletic department. They don't have the state of Utah subsidizing their recruiting budget like other universities. I mean, there's some hard and fast rules and BYU gets a reputation for being thrifty. But that's the reason is because you've got to kill what you eat at BYU. So Tom needs the revenue. Because there, he's he's he just did that new deal with Kalani, which I guarantee right. you ain't cheap. Correct. And the coaching staff, which was taken care of, and all that sort of stuff, he needs he needs the dough. What he do you think? The they, what do you think he would prefer? The money, the two yes. years with, and the chance to play Texas and Oklahoma. Who doesn't? That would want, be, and that other is than good. you, who doesn't want that? No, you're probably right. Hopefully, uh, they come to Provo. I'm not a little. I'm not afraid to be anti-competition for the better of the team. Like, that's why I was rooting for the Raiders and the Chargers to take knees for a tie. Like, your goal is to make the playoffs. If you get there, I was thinking Utah should have lost to Oregon the second to last week of the season. Because if you lose to Oregon, you've basically guaranteed yourself a chance in the Rose Bowl. You could have guaranteed your spot in the Rose Bowl. Now, they did it the hard way. They beat Oregon twice, and good for them. It's going to give them a top 10 ranking next year. They actually got they got their cake and, and were able to eat it, too, because uh, they're going to end up as a top 10 team going into the season next year, and they wouldn't had they not beat Oregon twice to end the year, which is really what they're kind of basing their success off of. But... I would have absolutely gone anti-competition. <laughs> so good for some of these schools that are willing to not do that. Here's the ideal Bullsby move, okay? He's bitter. Of yeah. course we know this. So guess which two teams get to play in Provo in November? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Guess the Last schedule week maker. Of the season. Yeah, guess who's going to Provo? No, <laughs> you couldn't afford another loss? And we didn't have college football expansion? Here you go, SEC. Here's a team that lost to BYU back to back years in a snowstorm. In a snowstorm. Sorry, Oklahoma. Yeah, so it's going to be tough. That's what I hope happens. Yeah, be it'll fun be to see those teams. 
it'll be funny to see how those teams are treated over the next few years by the Big 12. Because you got there's no reason to have them. There's no reason to like them still. They are not benefiting you really in any way at this point. You know what's funny is uh, BYU and Utah both left the Mountain West at basically the same time, right? BYU to go Independence in Utah. And then... TCU followed a year later. Utah was pretty much treated as, well, we don't blame you on the way out of the league. BYU was treated with, there, there were multiple athletic directors in the Mountain West never saying, scheduled. we will never play yep. BYU ever again. <laughs> nothing but bitterness. With Utah, I was like, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, what an opportunity right. for you. Go get them. Go, uh, go uh, best of luck to you. <laughs> the coup, You're going independent? Yeah, dead to me. Thank goodness for the hindsight. Or, or the foresight, I guess I should say, of Tom Homo and BYU. Oh, man. Tom Homo might – you can't give Tom Homo enough credit, period. Correct. He might be the best athletic director in the history of college sports. He put everything on the line. Everything. Going independent, going to the WCC, like he risked it, truly risked it all and ended up in the right spot. He had <laughs> was a gamble of all gambles. He had arguably the best quarterback in the country. He knew it. And so he was the only program playing football yep. west of the Mississippi yep. in 2020 yep. and said, you know what? We're going to do it. Even if we have to pack a dirt truck on Tuesday and send them out across the country for a game that may not happen, we're going to do it. He's a just do it guy. And that really can go a long way if you've got the right resources around you. And he does. And the support at BYU and the fan base, of course, is a huge part of it. But his willingness to get things done and make things happen is it's important. Who arguably has adjusted the best in the whole country to the new NIL rules? Oh, I mean, BYU absolutely has. They were ready to go. Yeah. Now, some of the schools already had the money coming in, and all they had to do was pull the sheet back. You know, be like, yeah, the sponsors here are here. Uh, and they've been better at it. But, and, you know, BYU is uniquely designed well to do that as well. Yeah. You know. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Randy Ray, head coach at Weber State. Stay tuned. We want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. It's a new year and time for a new you. Davis Vision can help you ditch those glasses or contacts with LASIK. Schedule your free consultation today. Save $1,000. Call Robin, 801-253-3080, or visit davisvisionmd.com, and make sure you tell them that The Zone sent you. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Rough loss last night for the Utah Jazz. As on the road in Detroit, 126-116. to 116. Of course, Rudy Gobert continues to be out. Donovan Mitchell talked about what they need to do with no Rudy. When you don't have Rudy Gobert back there, our intensity has to turn up. This is 1-17 through 17 or however many guys we got in locked room. This isn't just one person or three people on a selective group. This is everything. We were locked in when we had to be against Denver. You know, we were locked in from start to finish. It didn't look so pretty all the time, but it, it, it felt like we were communicating and talking. So it's not that we can't. Obviously, the glaring thing is Rudy's not back there to, to, to save us and protect us on the defensive end, but we've done it. We're capable. Now it's like, are we going to do it on a consistent basis? This update is brought to you by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with Five Star Experience with Five Star Painting. They've got time, skills, and tools. FiveStarPainting.com. That's FiveStarPainting.com. Who's got it better than us? No! Your home for the best sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com.
Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Uh, let's jump out to The Zone phone. Joining us now, the head basketball coach, of course, at Weber State, making his weekly appearance. He's our friend Randy Ray. What's going on, Coach? How you doing? Hey, we're doing all right. Uh, how are you guys doing? I, I think uh, everybody's kind of navigating these complicated waters, right? I, uh, ben and I were, were talking about it. I don't think you've played since we talked to you last. We have not played. Uh, we uh, were supposed to play Idaho State last Saturday, and they uh, they had to cancel or, or reschedule because of the COVID. And and so it's been a little while. Yeah, we're uh, we're trying to get geared up. We do play on Thursday uh, against Idaho here, and then uh, we were supposed to play Eastern Washington on Saturday here, but they just uh, canceled it uh, as well uh, or rescheduled it. So yeah, it's a little quirky times. That's for sure. Kind of. Same stuff, different day as a, compared to last year, I guess, you know? So what do you do? I mean, obviously you're practicing, but when you don't have a game coming up or a specific team to prepare for, even though I know you've been preparing for them and they've kind of had the rug pulled out from under you late in this situation, what, what do you do to stay fresh, improve your team in these days off? It's not easy. It's not easy, you know, when you got that much time off. You know, what we did, we, we spent a day last Friday where we just scrimmaged, had an inter-squad scrimmage, and got up and down and try to keep our rhythm and timing and stuff. And and then, uh, you know, we gave our guys the, the weekend off, uh, no practice for Saturday, Sunday, um, and then brought them back yesterday and had a good hard workout. And it's uh, – but now, you know – you got we got a game on Thursday, so there's something to look forward to. So we can kind of start our preparation today. But but it's not easy, you know. It's hard on these guys. You get geared up to play at Idaho State. You're about a day away from going up there, and and then you kind of got to retool. But uh, hey, it's the times we live in, and like I keep telling our guys, the great ones adjust. So we just got to keep adjusting to whatever's thrown our way. Well, you know, with a little time off, I'm sure a little time for reflection on the season thus far, and I'll ask you, what do you like best about this particular version of the Wildcats? Well, I like our uh, competitiveness for sure. Uh, we uh, we got a bunch of guys that really like to compete. Uh, they like to play. They're, they're, we got some good toughness. I like our togetherness where we're at right now, uh, and it's pretty much been that way all the way through. So those are the things I, I do like about our team. You know, we obviously – we got to continue to get better in some areas. You know, defense, our defense is going to be the key to having success down the road, and we're constantly working on trying to improve that and our rebounding. But uh, but I do like this team, and I like how hard they come, you know, they play every day in practice. They come to work every day with a good mindset. They want to get better. They want to try to be as good as they can be. So I, I, I like, uh, that's what I like about them. One of the things you don't get to do very often in college basketball that you are going to have the opportunity to do now is you're going to play, is it Idaho State, back-to-back games now coming up next week? What's what's that situation like? Yeah, it's a little different. You know, we haven't done that. But, you know, last year when we did play games, we did play the same team twice, uh, you know, back-to-backs because of COVID. You know, we didn't travel around. So we, we were kind of used to it because we did it last year. Uh, but it's a little odd, you know, but uh, quick prep, obviously, you kind of you play the first game and then you figure out what you didn't do very well. So you got a day to figure out what you got to do better the next time you play them. But um, so there's some advantages or some disadvantages. But like I said, we were used to doing it from last year. We, we did it almost every weekend. And then the other thing, too, is now that we've got rescheduled games. We're, we're we're throwing a whole bunch of games into short period of time. I mean, we've got a stretch where we're going to be playing five games in basically nine days. 
and uh, because they're rescheduling the games that we missed on Mondays. So now you're looking to play in Monday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, and uh, and then come back and play in Thursday, Saturday the next week. So it's uh, it's going to be a tough stretch, you know, trying to keep your guys fresh and healthy and everything. Switching gears a little bit, Coach. Ben and I um, were talking about something a little earlier in the show, and I'm, I'm curious to your thoughts, and I feel like you're, you're actually the perfect person to ask. But um, this year, Utah, the state of Utah, had three Division One football programs finish in the top 25. No other state had more than two. And we got to talking about uh, the, the great sports in this state collegiately, not just college football, but college basketball. And you've coached at Utah State, you've coached at Utah, and of course here at Weber State. Coach Hill at Weber State has had a rolling for a few years you've had unbelievable success you know getting into what's happened at, at BYU and football and basketball is is there something about this state that enables great college athletics you, you know I, and I've been around a little bit you know I've been in the state for a long time but I was in Colorado State I was at Colorado Denver University places like that the thing that I think jumps out at me since I've been in this state is how much the universities care about wanting to try to be good, you know, and I think you got to have that commitment from the universities. And I think we got really good fan bases in the state of Utah. People are really sports driven around here. And you see that rubbing off on the universities wanting to try to help their programs be as good as they can be, you know, putting money into it, supporting the programs and everything. And then the fan bases coming out and supporting as well. And that's what I think stands out to me uh, compared to the different programs I've been in. And I think that's the way it is to just the state of Utah. The fan bases are, are pretty pretty passionate, and the universities are pretty uh, dedicated to trying to help their teams be as good as they can be. And I don't think you have that. I think that makes this place a, a pretty special place, the state of Utah, because it's not the way it is in, in a lot of places. And uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully it continues, but uh, I think it will, but... It's been fun seeing success in a lot of different programs throughout the state throughout the last few years. So as you prepare for Idaho, what have you seen from them? Much improved from last year. They changed their roster. Uh, they're the highest scoring team and the most, uh, the best offensive efficiency team in our league right now. Uh, they score at a high rate. They've got good athletes. They've got good, a really good shooting team. They got four or five guys that shoot over 40% from three, and then those same guys can also are athletic enough and good enough players. They can go by and make plays. So this is a really hard team to guard, and uh, they uh, uh, most teams in our league have really had trouble guarding them so far. They just put 93 up on uh, at Eastern Washington the other day. So we got a huge challenge guarding this team, and uh, any team that can really shoot it and, and bounce the ball by is a really hard team to guard. So – uh, that's what I see. They're a lot better than they were last year. This team can can play with anybody on you know any floor uh, on any night. So uh, we got a big challenge. The game is Thursday night in Ogden. Tip off at seven o'clock. And Coach Ray, we always look forward to uh, you jumping on the show. Thank you as always. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Yep.
There you go. That's our friend, Coach Randy Ray. Jumps on with us each and every Tuesday here on uh, on Jake and Ben. And a testament, because it probably not felt like the easiest year for, for Weber State. They're still atop the uh, the big sky right now as far as conference standings go. They're 3-1. and one, uh, Have some nice wins early on, 10-5 and five overall. There are a couple of other teams that got a couple more wins. Montana State specifically in non-conference play, but uh, he's positioned themselves again to uh, you know have a great run. And yeah, it's going to get tight here, playing so many games so quickly. You hope they've got good health and don't lose many bodies to the uh, COVID that's, that's going around for everybody right now in, in all of college sports and professional sports. But uh, he's positioned that team great to succeed and, and withstands lots of difficult issues this year. What did you think about his answer about sports in the state? He's accurate. You know, Rick Buecher got in trouble <laughs> one time. He was talking about one time. Well, a lot of times, but what did he say? It was a bunch of angry Mormons in Utah. Yeah. I can't remember what it was, but there really is a thing about like one of the things we do because we are not a huge party state. There aren't you know, there's not a huge drinking scene or partying scene. Like we go to sports games, we go to events, you know, and like. Even if your family didn't grow up LDS, it's just not a part of the culture here. Like, there are people who party, but even passive people are, are interested in what's going on with the sports teams locally because there are fewer things to do otherwise. Uh, so so the interests are there, and I think he's exactly right. That that does parlay into success because there's a tension. There's a lot of juice in this town. Yeah. There, there really is a lot of passion for sports, and as far as universities go, that means donations. Right. That means, yeah. you know, I mean, I wonder if you really looked at, at financially what Damian Lillard has done for Weber State. Oh, yeah. Oh, what one or, player or can even, do. Or even uh, the, the show, Harold Arsenault, when he beat, uh, God, they beat North Carolina, right? Yeah. I, I always get confused because it was Duke fans who bought up all the Weber State stuff when, right. when Weber beat North Carolina. But but what did that do for, for Weber State? Right. I mean, it's been a proven thing. You go look at enrollment in universities after the sports right, teams right. do well, and it's like, well, it's all branding, you know? And so around here, sports is a big deal because people support it and people care about it. And there's enough. I mean, you're, there's just a general knowledge. Sports fans are smart. There's an interest in that type of thing. Like, we know C.J. McCollum went to Lehigh. Like, you, you know, especially when there's the outlier of, hey, this player was an outlier and went to this weird team. People know that, that Damian Lillard went to Weber State. And he's particularly upfront about his college, too. I mean, he wears number zero because yep. he's from Oakland. So he's, he's open about his past. He's O-Town. He says it's an O, not a zero. But then we'll also talk about going and playing in Weber. Like, he's not, or in, in, in Ogden, I should say, Another at Weber o? State. Yeah, so he's he's not afraid <laughs> to talk about what his past has been, and you're right, it gives a ton of legitimacy, but you also need a guy like Randy Ray there to know how to nurture that crop. You know what the Pac-12 problem is, Ben? It's it's the same reason that BYU always got frustrated with the whack of Mountain West. No juice! There's not a There's lot of no juice. There's no juice in the Pac-12. There's juice for a couple of programs, and that's it. There's juice for a couple of more when they're winning, but that's it. There's no juice for Cal. <laughs> it was funny. I mean, you, you remember going to Pac-12 Media Day, and Larry Scott would talk about, yeah, there's beaches. There's other things to do. Like, it's hard to, to, to sell people on a Friday night to go to a UCLA game when there's other things going on in Los Angeles. And it's kind of like, that's probably the wrong approach. You might be right. Your job is to fix that, not just throw your arms up and say, I don't know what to do about right. it. Like his job really goes to to fix some of those issues and create that juice because that should be a destination. Going to UCLA game on Friday, a USC game on Saturday, those should be opportunities and destinations. And, and Larry Scott really let it get away. And you can create juice. That's the thing. You, you can. You absolutely can. Look, look no further than the University of Utah. Correct. 
One of the reasons Coach Mack was let go is because nobody was going to the game. Right. Because the product was stagnant at that particular point. But hype it up. Be excited. Yep. Be excited about what's going on. Get your Negotiate better options for your team to be on national television in midday Saturdays. Because you're talking about it's all branding. Just being out there. Just seeing that you're out there means you're important. Yep. I totally agree. We'll have more coming up next. We'll get you ready for Hanson Scotty G. It's Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The sports you love. The teams you can't live without. Get a sense of urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to Coach Randy Ray, who jumped on with us in the last segment. His interview is brought to you by our friends at Larry H. Miller Chrysler. Jeep Dodge Ram in Riverdale. Live here, work here, cheer for the Wildcats here, buy here. Larry H. Miller Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram, Riverdale. Online, lhmriverdale.com. What's the biggest story in sports in the state of Utah right now? Uh, probably the Jazz not playing well, but I, I don't know. How how long until the Rose Bowl is no longer the biggest story? Yeah, I mean, I do think the the success of the college football season is big. The draft is going to come up for the uh, NFL. It's going to pick it up. I do think pretty quickly here the NBA trade deadline is going to become the talking point for Jazz fans, regardless of how well the Jazz player don't play. I think there's a real bad taste in the mouth right now of Jazz fans for what has happened over the last week and a half, two weeks. Which is funny. I mean, I think your point about nobody in the NBA is is great right now. Phoenix is really good, and they're not perfect. I mean, it's funny. You look back at the defensive rating for the Jazz over the last three games. It's the worst in the NBA. And 29th is Phoenix. Like Nobody's yeah. perfect. There is not a team right now that is running wild. Golden State has a ton of momentum getting Clay Thompson back. They can make trades if they want to because they have good young pieces and draft picks. So there's there's energy there, but I, I do think the uh I do think the the NBA is still wide open for the taking if you want a championship this year. And I think that, on top of the Jazz not playing particularly well the last few games, is going to be a catalyst if they decide to make a move. And it kind of feels like that's in the air a little bit. I mean, they hired Danny Ainge. Yeah, Danny's reputation sure. is what it is. And, and frankly, Dennis's reputation I'm, was what it was. And even since they replaced Dennis, you probably thought there would be some more aggressive moves right. than there were with Justin Zanuck alone. And then Danny came in and, and fueled the fire even more. And then, look, knowing what we know about Ryan Smith, we haven't seen him do a lot as, you know, he hasn't had a long time to be the owner of the Jazz, but look at all the money he spent that first year he was with the team to make sure everyone could come in and, and retain Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley and, and give Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell big extensions. Like, he's clearly serious about winning, and it's hard to do because you're going to have to, you know, rip some band aids off of. of players you like, but it's, it's it'll be interesting to watch this next month leading up to the trade deadline. Well, and then let's let's take our hearts out of it for a second. Moving Joe Ingles is the smart thing to do. He's got an expiring contract. It, he's being paid more than he's worth to a specific team, and Correct. again, this sounds so Correct. mean to Joe, but it's just a fact. It's a low-risk, high-reward move. Yeah, and I think that is how you have to weigh it. You have to start off with probably, you know, if you were ranking your, your tradable 
assets, you invert this. Like your most tradable asset is Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, whatever. But really, if you're talking about what you can afford to move on, it's probably Joe 1, Jordan Clarkson 2, Boyan Bogdanovich 3, because you're trading offense for defense. That is going to be the move the Jazz make if they make one. And I would think that would probably be the order. But see, if you trade Bogdanovich or Clarkson, there's a significant amount of risks there that you're not going to get back what you're sending out. I think with, so, too. With Joe, there's no risk. I mean, they should do that baseline move, Joe, just for no other reason than that's an asset that you're not going to have but, after the trade deadline. Correct. Even, yes, I, I think you're right. But the, based on the fact that you're probably not going to sign him next year because of the, what it would cost you in luxury tax. And he tweeted out he's not planning on retiring. It sounds like he wants to be in the NBA next year. And you're not planning on having him. Unless it was a victory lap of just saying, hey, we love to see Joe finish his career here in Utah. If he's not going to do that, then you're right. Losing an asset for nothing is the worst thing you could do. It, it was the reason that the Jazz not trading Paul Millsap and Al Jefferson in the last year of their deal was, was so ludicrous. Because, well, you were going to make one last gasp effort to go to be the eight seed in the yeah, playoffs. I yeah. mean, it made absolutely no sense. But you had yeah. all this expiring money. that And assets team, that people like, wanted. Right. The teams would have gladly... Yes. Given you an asset just to get out of some salary cap pinch. That's where you've got Joe. You find a team that, like Portland, that is so capped out and right. underperforming right. that they do anything to get down beneath whatever threshold, even the Correct. salary cap. Correct. So they'll take Joe Ingles' $14 million expanding dollars and give you an asset for yeah. just you helping them out of a jam. I mean, unless Joe is, a, is truly your sixth man, it makes zero sense that he's on this roster after trade deadline. Yeah, and it's, it, it's, it's unromantic. It's difficult to do that. It's, it's, it's even hard to talk about doing that with players and people's lives, and I understand why that's frustrating. And That's why I would want to be a GM. That's why I wouldn't want to be a GM, and it's the downside of being a player. You know, it's not a, the type of position most people find themselves in, in but work. But Joe, Joe knows. That's that what was, we were saying earlier. Correct. Listen to him on DJ and PK. Yeah. He knows. Well, I told you yesterday, listening to Jordan Clarkson's his postgame, he was talking about how many times he's been traded midseason, and he wasn't specifically asked about, you know, do you think you could not be on this roster? But you could tell it's front of mind that these guys recognize that change is coming for the Jazz, and I do think that will be the big talking point over the next 29 days because the trade deadline's coming up on February 10th. They'll make at least one. I think they have to. I would bet. Yeah. They'll make at least one. All right, stay tuned. Coming up next, you've Hans Olsen and Scotty G. Want to remind you about our friends at Lenrite Mortgage. They'll be live with DJ and PK tomorrow morning to help you with the lowest rates on your new mortgage or refinance. Listen tomorrow and visit lendrightmortgage.com for more information. More next. Well, Hans and Scotty next. Ben, I'll talk Thanks, to you tomorrow. Megan. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.